Chapter 8 The Potions Master There, look, where? Next to the tall kid with the red hair, wearing the glasses. Did you see his face? Did you see his car? Whispers followed Harry from the moment he left his dormitory next day. People queuing outside the classroom stood on tiptoe to get a look at him. A double passed back to pass him in the corridors again, staring. Harry wished they wouldn't because he was trying to concentrate on finding his way to the classes. There were a hundred and forty-two staircases at Hogwarts. Wide, sweeping ones, narrow, rickety ones, some that led somewhere different on a Friday, somewhere with a vanishing step, halfway that you had to remember to jump. Then, there were doors that you wouldn't, that wouldn't open unless you asked politely or tickled them exactly in the right place and doors that weren't really doors at all but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to remember where anything was because it all seemed to move around. The people in the portraits keep going to visit each other and Harry was sure the coats of armor could walk. The ghosts didn't help either. It was an always a nasty shock when one of them glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open. Nearly headless Nick was always happy to point new griffin doors in the right direction. But Peeves the poltergeist was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you met him when you were late for the class. He would drop waste paper baskets on your head pull rugs from your feet, pelt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up, sneak up behind you, invisible, grab your nose and switch, caught you conk. Even worse than Peeves, if that was possible, was the caretaker Argus Filch. Harry and Ron managed to get on the wrong side of him on their very first morning. Filch found them trying to force their way through a door which unluckily turned out to be the entrance to the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe they were lost, was sure they were trying to break into on purpose and was threatening to lock them in the dungeons when then they were rescued by Professor Squirrel who was passing. Filch owned a cat called Miss Norris, a scrawny, dust-colored creature with bulging, lamp-like eyes just like Filch. She patrolled the corridors alone, break a rule in front of her, put just one toe out of line, and she'd whisk for Filch, who would appear wheezing two seconds later. Filch knew the secret passages of the school better than anyone, except perhaps the Weasley twins and could pop up as early as any of the ghosts. The students all hated him and it was one of the dearest ambitions of the students to give Miss Norris a good kick. And then, once you had to manage to find them, there was the lessons themselves. There was a lot more to magic as Harry quickly found out. And then waving your wand and saying a new funny, a few funny words. They had to study the night skies through their telescopes every Wednesday at midnight and learn the names of different stars and movements of the planets. Three times a week, they went out to greenhouses behind the castle to study herbology with a dumpy little witch called Professor Sprout, where they learned how to take care of all strange plants and fungi and found out what they were used for.
Easily the most boring lesson was history of magic which was only class taught by a ghost. Professor Bins had been very old indeed when he had fallen asleep in front of the staff room fire and got up next morning to teach leaving his body behind. Bins droned on while when they fiddled down the names and deeds and got Emmerich the evil and Eurek the odd boy. Oddball mixed up. Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand on a pile of books to see over his desk. At the start of their first lesson, he took the register and when he reached Sherry's name, he gave an excited squeak and toppled out of the sight. Professor McGonagall was again different. Harry had been quite right to think she wasn't a teacher to cross. Strict and clever, she gave them walking to the moment they had sat down in a first class. Transfiguration in some of the most complex and dangerous magic you will learn at Hogwarts, she said. Anyone messing around in my classroom will leave and not come back. You have been warned. Then she changed her disc desk into a pick and then back again. They were all very impressed and couldn't wait to get started but soon realized they weren't going to be changing the furniture into animals for a long time. After making a lot of complicated notes, they were each given a match and started trying to turn into a needle. By the end of the lesson, only Hermione Griger had made any difference to her match. Professor McGonagall showed the whole class and it had gone all silver and pointy and gave Hermione a rare smile. The class everyone had been looking forward to was defense against the dark arts. But Quirrell's lesson turned out to be a bit of joke. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic which everyone said was to ward off a vampire he'd met in Romania and was afraid would he come back and get him one of these days. His turban, he told them, had been given to him by an African prince as a thank you for getting rid of a troublesome zombie. But they weren't sure they believed the story. For one thing, when Seamus Filigan asked eagerly to hear how Quirrell had fought off the zombie, Quirrelly, Quirrell went pink and started talking about the weather. For another, they had noticed that a funny smell hung around the turban and the Weezies insisted that it was stuffed full of garlic as well so that Quirrell was protected wherever he went. Harry was relieved to find that he wasn't miles behind everyone else. Lots of people had come from Muggle families and like him, hadn't had any idea that that they were witches and wizards. There was so much to learn and that even people like Ron didn't even have a much of head start. Friday was an important day for Harry and Ron. They finally managed to find their way down to the Great Hall for the breakfast without getting lost much. What have we got today? Harry asked Ron as he poured sugar onto his porridge. On his porridge. Double portions with Slytherins, said Ron. Snape's head of Slytherin house. They say he always favours them. Wish we'll be able to see if it's true. Which McGonagall favoured us, said Harry. Professor McGonagall was the head of Gryffindor House, but it hadn't stopped her giving them a huge of file homework the day before. Just then the post arrived. Harry had got to use 
this by now but it had given me a bit of shock on the first morning when about a hundred owls had suddenly streamed into the great hall during breakfast circling the tables until they saw their owners are dropping letters and packages into their laps hey hedwig hadn't brought harry harry anything so far she sometimes flew into nibble his ear and have a bit of toast before going to off to sleep in the owlery with other school owls this morning However, she fluttered down between the marmalade and sugar bowl and dropped a note to Harry's plate. Harry tore it open at once. Dear Harry, in brackets it said in a very untidy scroll, I know you get Friday afternoons off. So would you like to come and have a cup of tea with me around 3? I want to hear all about your first tea. Send us an answer back with Hedwig. Hagrid. Harry borrowed Ron's quill, scribbled, "Yes, please. See you later." On the back of the note, and sent Hagrid off again. It was lucky that Harry had tea with Hagrid to look forward to, because the potions lesser turned out to the worst thing for them at the so far. At the start of the term banquet, Harry got the idea that Professor Snape disliked him. By the end of a first. Lesson he knew he had been wrong. Snape didn't dislike Harry; he hated him. Potions lesson took place in down in one of the dungeons. It was colder here than up in the mail castle, and would have been quite creepy enough without pickled animals floating in glass jars all around the walls. Snape, like Flitwick, started the class by taking a register, and, fl- and like Flitwick, he paused at Harry's name. Ah yes, he said softly. Harry Potter, a new celebrity. Draco Malfoy and his friends Scrape and Goyle sniggered behind their hands. Snape finished calling the names and looked up at the class. His eyes were black like Hagrid's, but they had none of Hagrid's warmth. They were cold and empty and made you think one of the dark tunnels. You are here to learn the subtle science and exact art of potion making. He became. He spoke in barely more than a whisper, but they caught every word. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had the gift of keeping a class silent without effort. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. I don't accept you. Expect you will really understand the beauty of softly simmering cauldrons with its shimmering fumes, the delicate power of liquid that creeps through human veins, bewitching the mind and sapping the senses. I can't teach you how to bottle fame, brew glory, even stop a death. If you want as big as a bunch of t- Tender heads, as I casually have to teach. More silences followed the little speech. Harry and Ron exchanged looked with raised eyebrows. Hermione Granger was on the edge of her seat and looked desperate to start proving that she wasn't a tender head. Butter said Snape suddenly. What would I get if I added? Powder root of asphodel of an infusion of a wormwood. Powder root of a what to an infusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked as stumped as he was. Harry's hand shot into Hermione's hand shot into the air. 
I don't know, sir. Snake's lip turned into a, a sneer. That touch fame really isn't everything. He ignored Hermione's hand. Let's try again. Pocho, where would you look if I told you to find me a bezoa? Hermione stretched her hands as high into the hair as it would go without leaving her seat. But Harry didn't have the faintest idea what Bezoar was. He tried not to look at Malfoy, Crave and Goyle who were shaking with laughter. Thought you wouldn't... No, I don't know, sir. Thought you wouldn't open a book before coming here, Potter. Harry forced himself to keep looking straight into those cold eyes. Cold eyes. He had looked through his books at the Dursleys. But Snape, did Snape accept, expect him to remember everything in 1000 magical herbs and fungi? Snape was still ignoring uh, Hermione's quivering hats. What is the difference, Potter, between monk should and monks should and wolf's pain? At this, Hermione stood up, her hands stretching towards at the dungeon ceiling. I don't know, sir, said Harry quietly. I think Hermione does, too. Why don't you try her? A few people laughed. Harry caught Seamus eye and Seamus winked. Snape, however, was not pleased. Sit down, he snapped, chat Hermione. For your information, Potter, Asphodel and Worm would make a sleeping potion so powerful. It is known as the drop of living death. A bezoa is a stone taken from the stomach of a goat and it will save you from most poisons. As for monkshood and wolfsbane, they are the same plant, which also goes by the name of Egret. Well, why aren't you all copying that round? There was a sudden rummaging for quills and parchment. Over the noise, they said, and a point will be taken from Gryffindor House for your cheek. Things did improve for Gryffindor as Potion's lesson continued. Snape put them all into pairs and set them to mixing up a simple potion to cure boys. He swept around in his long black cloak, watching them weigh down dried nettles and crushed and crushed snake fags, criticizing almost everyone except Nalfoy, whom he seemed to like. He was just telling everyone to look at perfect way Malfoy had stewed his horned lungs when clouds of green acid smoke had a loud hissing filled the dungeon. Neville had somehow managed to melt Seamus's cauldron into a twist blob and their potion was seeping down the stone floor, burning holes in people's shoes. Within seconds, the whole class was standing on their stools while Neville, who had been drenched in the potion where the cauldron collapsed, moved in pain as angry red boys sprang up over his arms and legs. Idiot boy snarled Snape, clearing up the spilled potion away with one wave of his wand. I suppose you added the porcupine quills before taking the cauldrons of the fire. Neville whimpered as spoils started to pop up all over his room. Take him up to the hospital wings, Snape spat at Seamus. Then he rounded on Harry and Ron, who had been walking next to Neville. You Potter, why didn't you tell him not to act the quills? True, he didn't make you look good if he got it wrong. 
Did you? That's another point you have lost for Gryffindor. This was so unfair that Harry opened his mouth to argue, but Ron kicked him behind the cauldron. Don't push it, he muttered. I've heard Snape can turn very nasty. As they climbed the steps of dungeons, and half an hour later, Harry's mind was racing and his spirits were low. He'd lost 2.4 Gryffindor in his very first three. Why did Snape hate him so much? Cheer up, said Ron. Snape's always been taking off Fred and point Snape, Fred and George. Can I come and meet Hagrid with you? At five to three, they left the castle and made their way across the grounds. Hagrid lived in a small wooden house on the edge of the forbidden forest. A crossbow and a pair of galishes were hanging outside the door. When Harry knocked, they heard a frantic scrabbling from inside its several booming box. Then Hagrid's voice rang out, saying, Back, back, back! Hagrid's big hairy face appeared in the crack as he pulled the door open. Hang on, he said, Back, back! He led them in, struggling to keep a hold on the collar of an enormous black boarhound. There was only one room inside. Hams and pheasants were hanging from the ceiling. A copper kettle was boiling on the open fire, and in a corner stood a massive bed with a patchwork quilt over it. Make yourselves at home, said Hagrid, letting go of the fang. Who? Fang is the name of his dog, right? Who bounded straight at Ron, started licking his ears. Like Hagrid, Fang was clearly not as fierce as he looked. This is Ron, Harry told. Hagrid was pouring boiling water into a large teapot and putting rock cakes on to plate on a plate. Another busy, yeah? said Hagrid, glancing at Ron's freckles. I spent half my life chasing yet twin brothers away from the forest. The rock cakes almost broke their teeth. But Harry and Ron pretended to be enjoying them as they told Harry all about their first lessons. Fang rested his head on the on Harry's knees and rolled all over his ropes. Harry and Ron were delighted to hear Hagrid call Filch that old cat. As for the cat, Miss Norris, I'd like her to introduce Fang sometime. Do you know, every time I go up to the school, she follows me everywhere. Can't get rid of her. Filch puts her up to it. Harry told Hagrid about Snape's lesson. Hagrid, like Ron, told Harry not to worry about it, that Snape likely liked hardly any of the students. But he seemed to really hate me. Rubbish, said Hagrid. Why should he? Yet Harry couldn't stop thinking that Hagrid didn't quite meet his eyes when he said that. How's your brother Charlie? Hagrid asked Ron. I liked him a lot. Great with animals. Harry wondered if Hagrid had changed the subject on purpose. While Ron told Hagrid all about Charlie's works with dragons, Harry picked up a piece of paper that was lying on the table under the tea cozy. It was a cutting from the Daily Prophet. Gringotts break in latest. Investigations continue into the break-in at the Gringotts on 31st July, widely believed to be work of dark wizards or witches unknown. Gringotts goblins today insisted that nothing had been taken. The world that was searched had been, in fact, 
emptied the same day. But we are not telling you what was in there. So keep your noses, noses out of it if you know what's good for you, said a Gringotts spoke, spoke, spoke goblin this afternoon. Harry remembered Ron telling him on the train that someone had tried to rob Gringotts. But Ron hadn't mentioned the date. Hagrid, said Harry, the Gringotts break-in happened on my birthday. It might have been happen, happening while we were there. There was no doubt about it. Hagrid definitely didn't meet Harry's eyes this time. He grunted and offered him another rocket. Harry read the story again. The vault was searched, had in fact been emptied the earlier the same day. Hagrid had emptied, emptied vault 730. If you could call it emptying, taking out a grubby little package, had it been what the thieves were looking for? As Harry and Ron walked back into the castles for dinner, their pockets waved down with these with rock cakes they had been too polite to refuse. Harry thought that none of the lesson he had so far given him as much to think about as tea with Hagrid. Had Hagrid collected that package just in time? Where was it now? And did Hagrid know something about this name? He didn't want to tell Harry. Okay, so we are, I have completed chapter number 8. I will bring chapter number 9 soon. So bye.